When a humble bard graced a ride along with Geralt of Rivia, along came this song. From when the white wolf fought a silver-tongued devil, his army of elves at his hooves at bay level. They came after me with a masterful deceit Broke down my loot and they kicked in my teeth While the devil's horns minced our tender meat And so cried the witcher, he can't be bleed Toss a coin to your witcher Oh valley of plenty, oh valley of plenty I'm called the Jesse James. Jesse, aka the Bizzle. Oh, the Bizzle, thank you. <laughs> the Bizzle? Thank you, the Bizzle. Yeah. The Bizzle. Three, four, five. All right, guys, here we go. A Netflix original series. Oh, yeah, baby. Oh, it's burning. It's all burning. So we knew the Battle of Sidon happened, and Yennefer and Triss stood tall, and many died. We've lost many lives looking like Legolas there. My bad Theo did impression. Great way to begin it. So, I assume... Okay, so now we're back to Sintra is burning and Geralt's still here. And, and he missed <laughs> he missed the boat with Ciri and Mousak and so forth. And, you know... Geralt's long, painful injury and hallucination is very, very drawn out and somewhat painful in the book. And we, Battle of Sodden is not told in this way, as I mentioned in the book. Um, but the, he's really trying to build tension for the meeting with Steri because I think he had figured out by the end of Sword of Destiny that he was going to do the Siri saga and these take her protector. Right. And while they get separated and don't always agree going forward, this was the moment when they were going to connect and never really disconnect. And so you had to build the tension. But I love the choice that they decided uh, upon here, which was to actually not linger on it because, again, they didn't have the Brooklyn Woods, uh, uh, you know, adventure together. They haven't met before. And so you want to make it earned. And so make it about an inner journey in very different levels with almost dead Geralt and in her own way, almost dead Siri until she finds the family or the family finds her. So, the things that looked, you know, the least good from a effects standpoint uh, ahead of time and really was was the case in the series, it doesn't look horrible, was the Kikimura spider in the very first episode and the, uh, I always forget all the names of the monsters, the ghouls, you know, the big uh, troop of ghouls coming up that almost kill this guy in Geralt. No, not crows. Um, and you know, what's great about the Witcher is, 
if you play the games, you're like, where are all the monsters? But the monsters appear very infrequently in the books. They're mostly talked about or, you know, be a vampire character who I won't mention, who you don't even realize is a vampire for a long time and has mostly learned to live as a human. Um, Again, in the early stories, you have time for the goat creature and the elves at the edge of the world with the initial meeting with Yaskier, aka Dandelion, where he used to convince the elves not to kill them uh, like they would kill the humans normally um, in the conflict of colonization, imperialism, and all the political themes. Here's all the dead people from Sintra. Geralt's still an unfeeling mass of inhumanity. And you do get the Striga, you know, the first major story in The Last Wish, and you get the genie. Up oh, here we go. All right, let's see how they look. I'm really paying attention. For a first season of a Netflix s- series that did have a lot of money, but hasn't done this, you know, Daredevil, Jessica Jones, Luke Cage in particular were specifically, you know, known and mostly praised for how practical and just brutal the fighting was. They didn't even try and hide the fact that, you know, they were just, you know, turbinators, whether it's Luke Cage or Jessica Jones. It's just punchy, punchy. There's some magical stuff with Iron Fist, but nothing like this. Never even tried the dragon in Iron Fist. Or a dragon. And actually, the dragons look amazing. Um, yeah, it was just uneven. The scorpion creature in the first Yen uh, episode, where, where Yen is Yen, and she's, you know, working on the job with the noble lady, who then starts you know, calling her horrible names, and she decides to kill the, the woman, ultimately the baby, and abandon the mission, and uh, trying to save them from the scorpion creature. That looked good. But because Geralt's got the potions going, and the, the enhanced... Uh, Stamina or adrenaline, as they call it. Here we go. Boom. There's the move. I thought he would do an ARD before that. Yeah, I mean, so what they did is... And they can't, they, they can't pull off the textures at this point. So they do shaky cam. There's really a strong, you know, uh, lights coming out of the eyes. So it, it brings you to the eyes. And the mouths and the faces are horrifying. Now, I should say, well, episode three is my least favorite, uh, partially because it's just really scary. And partially, I don't love horror. And the Striga is horrifying. They nailed the Striga. The Striga looks amazing. So, you know, the the sort of non-traditional monsters, great. But these ghoulish creatures, you know, look cartoonish even in the game. And you just murdered them like he just did. Did he get bit? Is that how he gets? Yeah, he got bit. Not how they are after all. He's ready to die. So this, th- here's the thing. And this is, you know, whether you listen to Lauren talk about this or not, this is the intro here. Oh, here's Siri after she murdered. So the last episode, guys, which I recorded a while ago, she's about to be attacked by all of these horrible poor kids, and she just starts unleashing the elder blood, ancient elven stuff, and faints. And she's about to get up and see just limbs and bodies, horses, people everywhere. It just murdered everybody with her powers. We needed to see it. We totally need to see it. And they've already brought this woman in twice. And so you're like, this woman is either a total psycho serial killer or she's actually as sweet as possible. And the problem is now this is Siri has no choice. Before, she was just experiencing terrible things. Now, she's doing terrible things. And this woman immediately is like, they deserved it. Come with me. I've already tried twice. And it turns out that her intentions are true. And that's another great side character performance here by this woman. Because 
they do kind of sell this in the story, but it, 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 it's the surprise in the story is that we're not really again we're not really with Siri and this woman in the story. It, it's sort of implied in the background, and so when Geralt shows up with the with the uh, uh, look at all, Siri just massacred these guests. Oh man! Oh look at that! Oh man! The the ash. The ashen cross in the ground with the dead horse. Here comes the music and the best ever Witcher logo. This is amazing. Sorry, I'm just watching this glorious, very minimalistic version of Game of Thrones with the three sides. Yep. Those are the three. Those are the three. The swallow, the flower, and the wolf, guys. That's it. The wolf is Geralt. The swallow, the bird is Siri, and the flower is Yennefer, Lilac, and Gooseberries. Ugh, it's so brilliant. They totally get the Siri. So anyways, the point is, the headspace of Siri and Geralt at this point is... uh, almost equivalent in the, in the book even though they already seen each other which is now Ciri's aware of Geralt and Geralt's aware of Ciri but because of the burning of Sintra and they don't know each other's fate they think it's gone Ciri's supposed to find Geralt of Rivia but she's been lost in the woods almost dead killing people Geralt the, the same slightly more aware but you know kind of dumb he's been dumb selfish like they all have and they have to stop being dumb and selfish Jennifer and Geralt uh, specifically and you know he 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 wants to die because he's failed everything. He's lost Yennefer. He's lost his best buddy. Now he's lost his destiny. Okay. We got to focus here. Damn powerful ones. This is great. Vilgefortz. Triss. Yennefer Vilgefortz. So, you know, the Battle of Sada doesn't happen in the book, quote unquote, here, but it does happen at this point, essentially, or like right after the events of Siri and Geralt. So you put it together and we actually see it and it's the biggest part of the episode. We see, we know that 14 sorceresses gave their lives and some of them are thought to be dead but are alive. Like we'll see Yennefer and, and Triss almost die. Tessaya, we don't know what happens to her. Sometimes it's a bed and a pin. Oh man, here becomes the instruction. You have to make a choice to fight back. Yep. So this is it. This is it. They had to start with Siri and Geralt because, you know, they're still nominally the main characters, but the season's about Yennefer and this episode's about Yennefer. And they turned this into a giant battle episode, but this was set up because there was so much lore. Now, I forget if Vilgefortz was involved in this battle. I believe he was. He's not in the books, of course, because the Battle of Sodden was, like, Yennefer's backstory was actually told later, and so they extrapolated or interpolated backwards. This is great. Vilgefortz is still seeming like a swashbuckling sexy prince who's gonna save, you know, the White Knight is gonna save them all. An inconvenient arsehole. I couldn't have said it better myself. Now, guys, I, I, I will wait until this semi-podcast. Oh my god, look at this guy. Why did you come? Look at these two. These two brown folks from England just killing it. Killing it. That's right. Uh, you know, I, I've not been hiding that Vilgefortz is a very complicated character. Uh, who I couldn't sum up even if I wanted to. And it's going to be around for a while. Which I was just so pumped about the characterization of Vilgefortz and the actor in the immediate chemistry that you don't know which way it's going with, with the other sorcerers and, and, and enchantresses. Um, 
I, I, I was just so geeked about it. Yeah, we got it this early. I knew they were prioritizing it. I was surprised when they cast Philip Gaffords for the season because, again, it, it, it takes place during this time, but it's not in the books. But I was thrilled, and they were prioritizing that it was a major part of their search to get an amazing Vilgefortz actor. And boy, did they ever. And I know I've been playing a Vilgefortz, and he's only in the last two episodes, and he seems like a cool, charismatic, good-looking but side character. Trust me, he's not. But from now... Other than his awesome fight, we're going to focus on Tessiah and the female enchantresses who do the heavy lifting, and many of them die. And they become folk heroes, because normally the enchantresses do not come out from the tower and fight for the common folk. It's, you know, they put themselves on the line all the time doing sorceress things, like she does with the genies, ready to die, trying to capture the genie after the three wishes or whatever to enhance her power. Oh, Triss, she's so earthy and good. The white wizard, Triss Marigold! I love that they cast a more a maternal, slightly older Triss. I know it's not totally lines up with the book uh, descriptions of their various ages or whatever, blah, blah, blah. But boy. Okay, so these are all the explosives. So the biggest problem with this battle is they set it up perfectly. You know, it's the typical, like, we're going to get all the civilians to fight. We're making arrows for everyone. We've got bombs. We're going to have all of our mages. And what's great is the battle starts while they're sleeping before they realize it because Nilfgaard starts getting nervous. And Franchella says, we got to attack immediately with the Nilfgaardians. And they're sleeping. We're going to see a fireball. And, and Yennefer's going to wake up and block it. But the problem is there's an earwig thing that happens, like in the Wrath of Khan. And it's actually not Vilgefortz's or any of these guys doing. It's a back... I believe it's a backdoor magic. It's like the ace in the hole that Franchella had, because she knew that she's... Franchella's super powerful, but going up against Jennifer and all of these mages, mostly female, some male, was going to be a big challenge for her, even with the big Nilfgaardian army, and even with her power, they're about to flip to her, I think. Um... And her ace in the hole is this earwig thing where she takes over people, but specifically takes over one or a couple of the sorceress, sorceresses, and it leads to almost Yennefer's death. It leads to the bombs going off way before they should. It, you know, it, it's very reminiscent of the, the, the orc, you know, Olympic torch guy in the, the two towers it, the running into the one weak point in the wall in Helm's Deep, you know, which is from the book and, and, and which makes total sense and was glorious. And the movie it was kind of a funny image of the orc running looking like a wrestler mixed with an olympic runner and he jumps in kills himself but then boom you know a bomb as big as any modern bomb just blowing the side off a ginormous up oh, here's vilgefortz looking uh innocent um sorry i'll stop teasing it uh and you know but but the reason it doesn't bother me is, hey, I don't know if that's what actually happened at this battle or not, with the earwigs leading to zombification, leading to explosification. I don't know if that's what happened. Um, nevertheless, uh, here comes the feathers. Sign of Siri. Oh, man. Oh, man. Here comes the higher magic. That's why Yennefer is going to ha- They're going to try and have Triss train uh, Siri, but Yen- Triss is going to very quickly next season be like, look, guys, I can teach her how to be a woman. I can teach her some b- basic stuff and how to control herself and conduct herself, but you need Yennefer. You need someone in touch with the highest magic and the highest powers in the galaxy, in the universe, 
you know, quantum physics shit, Doctor Strange, Scarlet Witch stuff, as I've been saying to teach her. And we'll see the explosion of the power here. Here's Triss. This is an amazing scene. They have not at all hinted yet that there's been anything between Triss and Geralt. Uh... They're definitely going to next season for sure because you have to because Triss is the other one that he thinks about. But they're still buddies. Uh, oh, the Strega here. Yep, she's telling him. This is why you needed Triss to have the whole Strega episode early on. She's so naturally just beautiful. She's just calming and soothing this woman who plays Triss Marigold, which is exactly what you want. She's eating an apple. Yeah, this is Yennefer's last moment of acting like a 10-year-old, being like, which is disappointing, they're the worst, I hope everything horrible happens to him, he's terrible. I won't disappoint. Oh, here's the Saya. I won't disappoint. Enjoy it while we can. Yep. This is it. This is it. Josiah coaches her on the chaos and the magic later. Right now, she is to coach her on life. Right. Another the reason we're live tonight. Yennefer's saying we're going to die. It's all been for nothing. It's not worth it. <laughs> Milk forts. She's checking him out. They're checking him out. They want to follow him. That's the thing. Vilgaforts is such a, a, a natural leader, which they had to set up. And here he's uh, he's with the good guys. Are you ready? Tosaya knows. And this isn't even a prophecy thing. And she's not saying you will die, but you must be actually ready to die to fully commit. Yennefer says yes. Yeah. So they say she's 80, which is bullshit. She's hundreds of years old. You haven't been satisfied in any of them. I think she's 300, 200. I've tried. God, Anya Chalotra just murdering it. Yeah. I have no legacy. This is the first of the feel-good moments between these two that Yennefer needs. And this is exactly what Ciri is getting on a different level with the mothering. And this is when Tosaya goes full mother. You still have so much left to give. Oh, I have chills. I mean, look. If you like only the darkest Game of Thrones and darker stuff, you don't like Star Wars and stuff like that, you know, maybe this doesn't speak to you. And boy, is there so much darkness left to come in this series. Suffering, torture, everything. But for this battle, if they were going to do it, and we knew the sides, we knew Franchilla was within the Guardians, we knew that it was like 100,000 versus 50,000 or something, you know, Tolkien, actually on the high end of Tolkien numbers, more like true medieval numbers, um... Right, so Franchilla's the one that says we have to move, and that's what they start firing f- firing a fireballs, shooting off fireballs. Okay, so here's Kahir, who they've done a piss-poor job. Uh, they're specifically making him mysterious, and I know why, and if you've read the books, you know why Kahir's mis- Kahir is being set up as mysterious. The problem is of twofold. One, if you, if you read the book, it looks like Kahir, C-A-H-I-R. Right, can hear. But the problem is, there are Polish pronunciations for these names. And Peter Kenny, the English guy who does the amazing audiobooks, amazing, like, all-time great, like, you know, better than a theatrical performance, like, the best thing you can listen to, audiobooks, I listen to him over and over again, Peter Kenny. But he clearly, because he sings the songs, even, in, like, Polish melodies that, that Andrzej Sapkowski wrote for Dandelion in the books, 
uh, you know, they put melodies to it. I don't know how that happens. And Peter Kenny sings some verses from it, like in, in what sounds like you know a, a loyal Polish Central European kind of minor key folk tune. And so there's some names that are not pronounced the way they look, as usual. And so the way they pronounce in the book is Kahira. I, I, I've written it down. I can't even pronounce it. Kahira. Kahiri. Kahira. Point is, it's not pronounced Kahir. And so it threw me off for the longest time watching this series because I was just listening. I was reading it, but not listening to it, which is how I've mostly experienced the books. Oh, there's Nilfgaard. And, you know, uh, I've tried to... send out the beautiful high-res maps that you can get um, official and unofficial for the Witcher universe. Uh, But the bottom line is the Witcher lands that are explored throughout the books in uh, the games are, are, are very big. It's like the size of all of greater central Europe at least. But Oh, oh, here's you get it for. She wakes up and stops a fireball. She immediately wakes up and stops a fireball. You're like, oh man, this bitch is not fucking around. This this woman, this powerful, crazy, evil, but now moving good. Yennefer is not messing around. They're already getting nervous. They're already getting nervous. They tried to they tried to pull the, you know, Arabs attack Israel on Yom Kippur, you know, invade a country on, on Christmas Eve or whatever thing. Everyone's sleeping, these civilians, and they're throwing fireballs in the middle of the night. A cowardly sneak attack. And they're going to she's already going to murder one of her mages by making her do two giant straight fireballs that Yennefer is inevitably going to block. Boom. Dead. I love this. This woman playing Finchilla and like Anya Chalotra, they are casting these characters quite young. I don't know how old Vilgefortz is, but you know, they, they, they still they're adults, but, you know, you can tell they're, like, late teens, early 20s, a lot of these actors and actresses, and it's a long series, and you want to grow with them, you know, you know, you don't want them to be, because th- th- they're all going through their, all or- their own origin stories. All right, Franchilla's also not fucking around. I mean, you know, ultimately, this battle comes down to what seems like the magical powers of Franchilla versus Yennefer at the, at the lead of sort of the magical armies and then all the other, you know, various mages and soldiers after them fighting each other, but with Yennefer and Franchilla. But it's really a battle of brains in a way. I know it looks like a lot of fireballs and explosions, which it is, uh, but but it's ultimately Yennefer being the field leader. Like, what I wanted Wonder Woman to fucking be in, in Justice League was to be the clear field leader ordering people around, and I did not see that coming. I assumed that she would be the most powerful mage, and she would find a way to tap into her, her heart, her great heart that she used to have, bring that out and channel that mixed with the, the seething volcano of rage that I've talked about with her. Uh, here we go. Here comes the battle of the magic, and it's all the women, baby. It's all the women. Now, what's cool is... Oh, man, look at this guy. They had to have some... Male, so, that's the thing. There are dope uh, male sorcerers, as we've seen with Istrid and this guy and Vilgefortz. There are dope male sorcerers, but... 
it, it, it's sort of a hybrid of the Bene Gesserit model in Dune, where the women are clearly the ones with the greatest uh, uh, numbers. Um, let me put it this way: women have the greatest number of you know uber immense, you know, super powered, superhuman people uh, with psychic abilities, prophetic abilities, mind control abilities, blah 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 blah, um, and beyond with magic. Um, but here, we, you do get male sorcerers who can be quite powerful. We saw Strigobort, one of the older ones in the first episode, and some of the recurring episodes. Vilgefortz, we'll see. Uh, <laughs> Vilgefortz is way more powerful than he displays in this episode, uh, and that's the last thing I'll say. Um, He's very complicated and amazing. One of the all-time great characters in fantasy is Vilgefortz. And uh, we just get a sample here. But then you have the Witchers. And they've been very restrained on uh, Geralt's magic. But the bottom line is, you know, if you're just a gamer, you're using magic all the time with Geralt uh, to the point where you, you are basically a mage, which is sort of against the, not the rules, but what we see in the book. Where he uses the art sign a lot, which is you know shooting up the the giant burst of uh, of wind, um, like an air bomb essentially, uh, a fireball made of air. Uh, you know, shoot shoot people back. It's mostly what he used in the book, and that's what he's using here. Uh, he has a bunch of other signs that I've talked about at great length. He's having visions of his childhood. We've got to cling to something. Here comes the destiny talk. Chaos. Uh-oh, chaos. So anyway, so you get to have men be awesome. Oh, there's a golden dragon. I totally forgot about that. Oh, dude. It borsh. It's magic. It's not real. This is one of my favorite fantasy tropes. This is great. The Raymond D. Feist, one of many great things that Feist does in the Rift War saga, in all the Midkemia books, the Rift War books, is talk about he's got these really powerful magicians like Pug and Nacor and Miranda and Magnus and the Serpent Queen and, and you know, but. In the end, Nacor, Nacor, devilish little roguish dude, uh, who, you know, seems to just be a hobo, and then all of a sudden will pull some crazy magical spell, who ends up, you know, helping the good guys, but his whole thing is, it's just tricks. It's just tricks, and it, we just have a, we are just blessed or cursed with being able to manipulate the forces, natural forces around us, and, and the metaphysical forces around us. Oh, here comes the field leader Yennefer that I did not see coming. General Yennefer. I did not see General Yennefer coming, being Princess Leia. This is great. And she does it without being told. She puts herself at the top, and she's immediately commuting to the, communicating with them psychically. I'm going to stop talking in the book, because I don't even care. This is such a glorious portrayal of a battle with these characters that certainly happened. And, uh, sh- it, yeah, it looked like this. Oh, and we got Triss Marigold doing the nature powers, and we get more Triss Marigold nature powers later. Oh, uh, Tosaya is helping. Tosaya, oh, it's so great. The mother is the mother. The instructor is there. The moment of need. This is she's you know she's druid sort she's you know druid slash sorcerer. Oh man, these mushrooms are gonna what they're gonna just blow up and these motherfuckers. Triss is so cool. She's so cool because she is Gandalf, but you know with with insane nature magic. 
And she's a much clearer head than Gandalf and a natural centeredness and wisdom about her. Man, when she rips into the Witchers for not taking care of, of Siri next season is a thing to behold. So yeah, I mean, you know, they could only afford a couple hundred soldiers as opposed to, but they, they went for practical because they wanted to do this. Instead of CGI, they rather have like, you know, a big troop, but not quite an army. And then she would just, boop, choke them all. Oh, the purple eyes and the eyeshadow of Yennefer. Oh, this is glorious. This is glorious. We got arrows. Oh, yeah. Hold. 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 It's like the Spears and Braveheart. But the reason I don't mind the, the, the shenanigans of them blowing themselves up with the earwigs is because that's not ultimately what loses the battle, and it's actually what catalyzes the winning of the battle because it releases Yennefer's rage. And so it actually, while well, it kills a ton of people, and it seems like a... A, a tie or a draw at the end of this battle they actually the good guys in a way win i'm not sure that comes across clearly and, and i don't think it's supposed to because we have to get the aftermath next season all right here come the bombs you know it's like you know avatar of the ewoks you got to give the the poor helpless unarmed civilians some tricks And if we're starting to feel it, who's next? Oh, this is like the Avengers. They're like passing Thor's hammer around, baby. Oh, I love it. I love it. Franchilla's getting nervous. I like that they just went straight up making Franchilla straight a bad guy. They play around with, you know, new, uh, I don't know. They play around with her a little bit more in the books in terms of her morality and who she sides with. We'll see if they do here. All right, enough about the books. Here come the soldiers. There's Kair, who I can't pronounce his name. God damn it. I even wrote it down in my phone, and my phone was off. Vilgevortz, here we go, baby. So he ha- he's going after their best warriors. Boom. So this is cool. So he can make multiple swords appear in his thing. So, okay. So, so Nacor or Nacor in, in Raymond Feist's uh, Rift War Saga, he's the guy that says magic's just tricks. And the, the, the way he proves it is he has a bag and he can pull out oranges from his bag at any time, which is very helpful when you're on a long journey. In a medieval fantasy situation, you pull out apples and oranges. So they always have some food and, and it turns out that he has basically put a portal in the far in the other side of the world and some poor farmers uh, barn, you know, or, or like silo. Uh, she's telling him to reserve the chaos. Right. So, to, so, to, okay. But anyways, the point is magic is just tricks. So is Vilgefort's creating these swords from scratch? Is he transporting them from somewhere else? It doesn't really matter. They're just all various forms of tricks. And so the oranges are just coming from a barn on the other side of the world, but he's put a portal there. So it's, it's, it's tricks and it's magic, but it's neither and it's both. And here's Vilgefort's fighting Kahir. Two characters that really were not a part of the... This and, 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 in you know in the books, but Vilgefort's much more important to set up. Way more important. What are you after? And, and look, all I'm gonna say is the two sides here and the way these characters are acting is not as clear as it looks. For the sake of watching this right now, here's the bad guy, Nelf Guardians, and. Vogelfort is a good guy who just got nailed trying to help the good guys.
So we'll we'll just say that. Kaeya, kaeda, kaeya, kaeya, kaeda, 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 kaeda. That's how it's pronounced in the books. Kaeda. So calm Kaeda. They're calling Dandelion Jess here. Boom. She breaks open the doors. She's so far away. I mean, again, these are the two, these are the two biggest. So Tosaya, so here's the problem. Tosaya is still telling Yennefer to control the chaos. And so Yennefer wrongly told Vilgefortz, advised him, passed on that message to control the chaos. It doesn't work for him. And then eventually when all hope is lost and almost everyone's dead, here goes everybody. The, the earwig thing is about to happen and it's supposed to get really bad bombs everywhere. I mean, this is just the beginning of the splatter, but Tosaya eventually, as I've been hint, more than hinting, I've been saying over the course of the season, is finally like, you know what, Hulk? Let out the rage. Let out the chaos. I was, I wasn't real. I was wrong. I was wrong. Right now, we need, we need a little worse. We need a little chaos. Oh, man, here we go. I mean, there's just so much magic that goes on. It's, it's absolutely mind-blowing. Kaida. So, you know, if you wanted, I love that Tsaya tries to talk down her, one of her best students. Of course, she partially, you know, tortured and deformed Franchella in the, in the, you know, in the early episodes when they, when her and, uh, ugly Yen were, were training in the early days. Yep. This is calling back. Ice's uh, Skellige fleet was supposed to, uh, Come to the rescue. For Sentra, it didn't happen because of Franchilla. She just throws... She's such a coward. They tried to sneak the fireballs on the civilians. Demaritium. Demaritium is just a straight-up, like, castration of magical ability, but also really can obviously hurt and damage people with great magical ability. You know, the handcuffs that they put on. This is it. This is the Trojan horse. That's what it is. It's a Trojan horse. The worms, yeah, I don't know. I I think they were just trying to find a way for, you know, it's to seem inevitable the good guys were going to lose. And the good guys accidentally destroying themselves is a solid way of, of achieving that temporarily, I suppose. But anyways, this geographical location uh, in, in in the book says here it would be very close. Sintra, the Battle of Sodden, it's it's they're defending the the delta in the main broad part of the Yaruga River, and that's what divides the north and the south. All Sintra is the most south. All the other quote unquote good kingdoms, Tamaria, Redania, etc., uh, Vengeberg, where Yennefer's from. Uh, Rivia, where Geralt's supposedly from. Kermorin, the Witcher's place. Here's his potion. I mean, this is a whole long thing in the book where they're arguing over and over again. The guy's going, don't take the potion. Take the potion. Don't take the potion. I much prefer this faster bet, to be honest with you. And, you know, the, the, it, it, I, I'm wondering if there was another cut. Oh, to close that thought. Geographically, this would all make sense, that they would be extremely close and even hearing the the battle from all from series perspective and from girls perspective um there might be another cut you know or an earlier version of this where Geralt and Siri have at least half the screen time or more and they must have realized you know 
we've been building up Yen as the coolest and most interesting already, and we've got all the sorcerers and enchantresses and the armies going at each other. Is is cool as it seems like Siri and Geralt are going to be. Yennefer is the only one who, if you're not, if you're new to the series, Geralt and, and I'm sorry, Yennefer is the only one who's definitively, you know gone fully three plus dimensional and is awesome and cool as a watcher after the first season. Geralt and Geralt's a badass, but Siri has so much more development to do. But this is very loyal to the book in terms of how painful and hallucinatory, hallucinogenic his experience is, but also how this becomes a time of inward journey. He revisits his childhood. He actually meets his mother coming up, who it turns out is an enchantress and felt like she couldn't take care of him and that he had magic in his blood and that was dangerous because she was powerful and so she gave him up to the witchers and, you know, he accuses her of being a death sentence and he's not wrong. She believed in him and he is strong and it does explain why Geralt is the best witcher of all the witches, which is true. I mean, he's he's the white wolf. He's he's the guy. You know, he, he's to the witchers what Yennefer is to the, the good enchantresses. Boom. Gotta see the the pain of war. Yennefer See, this is this is no she's saying she's starting to tell the sorceresses to run and they're giving they're sacrificing. So she's pained to see all this death, but seeing her sister's death, oh this is great. This is such a Triss moment. She's already done super powered stuff with the exploding mushrooms. She goes, I don't know if I can. She goes, I don't know if I can, and then she's like, I'm gonna do it. And this results in her almost dying and getting burned, which is straight from the book and going to inform uh, the extreme vulnerability that you don't expect with her character next season because she's just physically really, uh, you know, beat, beat, not just beat down, but. Yeah, I mean, she was. Let's put it this way: Triss, I believe, was on the monument that the civilian, the the surviving people of, of this region celebrated the enchantresses for coming out from their towers and defending them. Here comes the earwig thing. So they just needed to get the earwig and one of the sorceresses. Um. So because that would, you know. So she's under mind control. I don't even see it go in. I, you know, I just can follow what's going on because I saw the worms. This makes zero sense. I, I don't know where they got this from, but I, I don't really care. Um, this woman's doing a great job. So we just saw Coral die, which is a tribute to, I believe, one of Ciri's horses is named Coral. Oh, here it goes. Oh, they're burning Triss right in the body. Yeah, I was trying to find a nice way of it. No, she just gets burned to shit. And she is on the monument. She's thought to be dead. Uh, you know, she's she's um, celebrated slash mourned by the people of the region for protecting them as dead. Yennefer is known specifically, uh, and that's something they don't have time for. Also, in this episode, is, is Geralt either in reality or like a a. a a ghost version of him goes to see if Yennefer's name is on the monument or something. I forget. It's it, it's sort of bizarre. It's like a spiritual experience. Geralt sees that Yennefer's not on the list of the 14 sorceresses who died. Oh, man. She just stuck an arrow right in Yennefer's gut. Look how evil she looks. Oh, the purple eyes. Oh, man. It's all, it's all hitting. 
Al-Qaeda. It's all hitting boom. There we go. Helm's deep, baby. We know Yennefer can fight. We know Yennefer can fight. I didn't even think about that. I mean, they didn't just set up her being able to fight back-to-back with Geralt in the Dragon episode just for this, but doesn't hurt. Oh, she lands the superhero landing. She's got the Wonder Woman. The other woman can't even stop herself because her brain's totally gone. And Yen does the fucking Wonder Woman landing with the bent knee and everything. Oh, my God. I mean, that's the thing. That's why you get the Daredevil and Jessica Jones and the Defenders people to do this series, because these people are superheroes. The superhero genre comes from Tolkien and comes from fantasy. That That's, that's the whole point. You know, King Arthur was, you know, King Arthur and, and you know... Ajax and Achilles and, and Hector and, you know, I mean, they're all Odysseus, the original superheroes, King David, King Solomon, Joshua, Muhammad, Saladin, uh, a.k.a. Salah Adin. Are they going to show that Triss is not totally dead? Yeah. We, that would be one too many mis- misleadings of the audience. So, this kills way more people than it should have, based on their plans. She's going to just start murdering these people. Here it comes. This is the end that we saw, the goth, the goth yen, as I call her, in episode four, when she's going after the scorpion creatures and trying to decide whether to save that horrible noble lady or not. Which, here it goes. You don't need to fight anymore. You have never stopped searching. This is Frangilla. For what? It's here with Nilfgaard. Nilfgaard, there are no limits. This is really important because Nilfgaard is so clearly the big baddie through, spoiler alert, most of the series, but the politics are way more complicated than that. And the connection with Siri that we're going to see starting next season makes it extra complicated. Yeah, we had to see Vilgefortz was alive. Look at this guy. He's like he's like Riz Ahmed mixed with uh oh god, I always forget his name. Slumdog Millionaire Kid. Oh man, all the death and suffering. He's just so dashing. He looks totally like a medieval fantasy character that you can't tell. Where his head's really at. This is exactly the correct casting. Vilga. Vilga. Help. Help me. Oh. Uh, I just realized that's not enough guardian. He's murdering a good guy here. Okay. So they're telegraphing already. Okay. I feel less bad about semi-teasing, minor spoilering. This guy's not such a good guy. That he's enjoying the murder of a, of a relative innocent and getting off on it. Vilgefortz, are you with us? Is he going to cut himself off? Yep. He's got plans, guys. He's got big plans. Vilgefortz has big, massive balls and big, massive plans. Here we go. 
This is it. This is the Yoda Obi Wan Kenobi moment. Um, but it's also you know Luke at the end of the Last Jedi, and it's also you know it's it, it's it's saying I've always had the best intentions for you, but I was kind of wrong. Here's what you need to hear right now, even if it kills me. So, you know, it's a convenient way to get Geralt out of the, you know, picture to focus on Yennefer and to a lesser extent Siri, which is what they wanted, but that's how it is in the book. I mean, Geralt is, is hallucinating for a really long time. It's probably the most painful stretch, um, because it, it's, uh, uh, looks like a rent frame. And you know the 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 fact that the, the, the wagoneer who he saved is like intensely loyal. You know, it feels like he, he he's got to pay him back, um, which leads to a lot of surprise later. But more importantly, the hallucination where he sees a woman and he loves her, but then he realizes it's his mother, and then he tries to hate her uh, for giving him away uh, as a witcher. But she's such an impo- powerful. Uh, she's such a powerful enchantress herself, and uh, I guess the idea is she abandoned him because you know it didn't think she could handle him. And the reality is that's probably true with how powerful he is. I mean, the fact that he's a witcher is actually restraining his power, and that's part of why, other than being incredibly manly and good-looking, another reason the female enchantresses are all attracted to Geralt is because he's actually more magically powerful by far. He's between a witcher and an enchantress, but he he's never been able to harness more than you know uh, kind of um, high level versions of of the basic signs uh, that the witchers learn. But the potential is for sure there, and it, this has the great effect of him having. Uh, the reader getting to know a little bit about his past in a definitive way, maybe, at least in his head, him dealing w- with it in his mother, which he clearly has had mother issues, and that will inform him overcompensating to be a, you know, like, in, in, insanely great father, or trying to be an insanely great father with Siri, uh, and not repeat this, never abandon her. Um, and the reality is, even without the big battle of Sodden, you, you could, you can tell reading the end of Sword of Destiny that this would be the part that you cut, but there are, like, right here, like, him and his mom, it, it, it jumps off the page with, you know, seething with, with, with rage and blood and love and insanity and you know it really sticks out this interaction and so to focus on this was actually was absolutely absolutely the right thing to do absolutely the right thing to do spend half of Geralt's time on screen in this interaction he needed it he needed it he's clearly harboring pain and doesn't know a lot about his past he's like Wolverine it's time to sleep Valerian. God damn it. Why does everyone use Valerian? It's a cool word, but who fucking cares? Answers will only hurt us both. 
Time to move on. So even though we haven't heard anything about this woman, uh, and I don't think we had read anything about this woman up until this point in the story, it makes total sense that he'd have abandonment issues from his parents, but it's specifically because he, va- he had vague memories of his mom, and so that would be the focus. Vicenna. It's possible he never even met his father, and the father's never met him. You know, the genetic lines thing is really ends up being a huge part of The Witcher. And, the, it, you know, it, it, I mean, Sapkowski would have to admit that the genetic lines with the super-powered female magicians behind the scenes is very Bene Gesserit from Dune. I don't think he would deny the influence there. The, the dynamics are much different, and the fact that there are sort of rogue, super-powerful male sorcerers all over the place while the women are mostly trying to band together, even in competing nations, with uh, you know what they call the, um, the Lodge... But, yeah, it's it's just so interesting. You never get anything like that in Lord of the Rings. You don't really get anything like that in Game of Thrones. The, the complex politics of the magicians in, in The Witcher is, is fantastic. For those of us who read real high fantasy that involves a lot of magic and, you know, magical things in the world, even in this this dark scenario, here it is. Here it is. This is it. This is we we need we could use a little worse. That's my secret cap. I'm always angry. Sabrina needs your help. We all do. Yeah. She 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 needs now more than ever needs to Sarah to see ya. Is it? Northern kingdoms are close. We can't now. Jennifer is ready not to give up. You saved me. Yep. I I knew that. I thought that line was coming. Hmm. It's you. Right. Step up, girl. Step up. Tasaya. I don't want to call it Tasira. Tasaya. Excuse me. Tasaya. More importantly is Mayanna Burring who plays Tasaya. I can't. You can... Right, and here is where the personal, parental side and the magical teaching side come together into one. It's beautiful. Forget the bottle. Yep. Now, right, Tasaya finally realizes that she's been mis- advising uh, Yennefer all these years to bottle it up and so she has these outbursts you know, like in the pretty much all the episodes leading up to these last two. And Tessaya's finally like, I was wrong. She doesn't say it, and, and, and Yennefer doesn't say it, but she was, she was wrong. She was wrong. And it's like any brilliant person, but who has, you know, anger problems or who has deep-seated issues, bottling it up, you know. Oh, man. Here we go. I have a, I have a photo of this, a huge banner on my website page. Here we go. Oh, yeah, baby. This is, I mean, look, I... Even though I, you know, I'll never feel great about the lack of Geralt hanging out with Siri in the woods and them meeting for the first time only at the end of this episode. 
I wanted the season to be about Yennefer and the Enchantresses, and so I wanted this. I knew it was going to be the Battle of Sodden, and I could already see them shortening the Siri Geralt story, and that was another reason to not have Siri and Geralt meet, was it, it, it forces a, a shorter meeting of them at the end, because we wouldn't have earned a bigger and more emotional meeting. It, it, was, it was a brilliant move once they decided... And so this is it. This is it. This is the mission save from, from Game of Thrones. Th- there are ma- magicians and stuff involved, and later on dragons in Game of Thrones. But this level of this entire battle and this, and I, I called this, guys. I called this. I said they weren't going to do fire with Carol and other people because they wanted Yennefer and the high magicians to do fire. I didn't think it would be this big, but I, I did say it on the podcast. So... And she's so powerful that she's shielding Tosiah. Tosiah uh, uh, does not appear to be shielding herself. Here's the rage. Oh, man. The volcano. The 10.0 earthquake. Here's Kahira. Kahira. Kahir. I can't pronounce his goddamn name. Even though he's such a cool character in the book. Wow. Kaeya, Kaeda, 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 Kaeda. I can't say it. I can't say it. Here's the army. Uh, see, that it was really unclear. Right, so Yennefer burned the other army to a crisp, which we didn't see very clearly. We saw the size of it, but we didn't see the, you know, it, we didn't see that particular part clearly. And then that's King Fulton, who's at the moment a decent king of one of the northern kingdoms. I don't know, Tamaria or fucking Redania or something. One of those kingdoms. No, it's Vizim, something like that. Um, at the moment, that was a good guy army, but they did it so quickly. It, they focused on the emotion of Yennefer, which is which was the important thing, but it, it did not convey the, the reality, which was, it, it didn't lead to actually uh, any victory, it, but she burned everything to the ground, but she burned way more of the enemy and Nilfgaard to the ground than themselves as beat up and bruised as they were. So it was basically a draw, a tie. No winner, but that benefits the North because they needed to buy time to regroup, start forming alliances, but from Geralt's perspective and Tristan Yennefer and so forth, also bought time for them to get Siri the fuck out of the war zone, finally. I mean, you know, Siri's giving in. This woman can still be a serial killer, you know? They've just been stalking Siri, being like, come, come be my daughter, little girl. Oh, guys, until when you see Freya Allen next season, I'm going to be the best witcher of all, best witcher of all the witches. Madam Yennefer, Lady Yennefer, how did you meet Geralt? I want to know all about you and Geralt. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's all... I mean, that's the thing. There's going to be almost three years in the two versions of Freya Allen, uh, I, I think. And so... 
does Tosaya get get killed after after all I was going to say? Tosaya, I don't think was doing an active shield on herself. So on top of burning down like five mile radius, Jennifer effectively ended the battle uh, and you know bought the North a couple of years. This is a green screen stuff here, looking like Mordor, uh, mixed with maybe some real rocks uh, back there, that previous shot. Oh, right. How does Geralt end up here? Oh, this is mediated. This is like Snoke. I, I believe what's happening is, is Siri is manipulating Geralt in a way. Oh, or she's, she's not manipulating. She's mediating that... Find Geralt of Rivia, right, straight to Queen Calanthe, MVP of the series, baby. MVP, Calanthe. Uh, but, yeah, she was serving as, like, the Skype connection w- with Geralt to be spiritually looking for Yennefer, which is a totally a reflection and really has the exact feeling of reading those chapters where he's looking for her or thinks he's looking for her or imagining looking for her. They accomplish there in 15 seconds by throwing Geralt there, but not, you know, he's not there, but he's there. Uh, it is, you know, it just, it, it gives you chills and you just have to tip your hat and, and nod your head and give a little bow to Hisrick and everyone involved in this. And I'm going to keep saying it, but this is my final opportunity. So, Here we go. Here it is, guys. Here it is. And this meeting is exactly the same. And the fact they can pull off any emotionality with them not having met. Up oh, there's Renfrey. She is your destiny. I still want to know how Renfrey was uh, channeling that. Who cares? Yep. Girl in the woods. She'll continue to be the girl in the woods, but she's going to be very confused and very lost. Siri's got a long journey. That's why it's called the Siri Saga, and it's five books. It's glorious. Glorious. I just finished book three. We're still getting chapters with Tris Marigold in book three, baby. Oh, it's amazing. It is. It's awesome. It's awesome. The music's already getting, getting hopeful. It's giving us some hope. Do we have hope? Hmm. Hmm. I mean, what's what's great is in both the books and the video games, always, Siri and Geralt are almost never together. It's such a love fest when they are. They're almost never, ever together. And so it's constantly a tease about the two of them actually being together. This is exactly a uh, kiss by a rose. People, right? That's what his mom just told him, and this is important because there's no connection between Siri and Yennefer, and they're the three. As I said at the beginning, they're the three. Here's the call of the white wolf. 
Excellent job, guys. Excellent job. All right. I talked tons in the beginning. Thank you so much for joining me. This was amazing. I'll have more to say. Lauren Hisrick, God bless you and your freaking entire team. Um, and uh, thank you guys for joining me. Simi and I will have a season two podcast coming out soon. All of my Witcher podcasts continue to do awesomely. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, and uh, more to come soon. But for now, the Bizzlecast is out.